Hello, this is R.J. Deacon, reading the slip opinion of the United States Supreme Court in Weyerhaeuser Corporation versus United States Fish and Wildlife Service. Certiori to the United States Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit. Argued October 1st, 2018. Decided November 27th, 2018. The Fish and Wildlife Service administers the Endangered Species Act of 1973 on behalf of the Secretary of the Interior. In 2001, the service listed the dusky gopher frog as an endangered species. See 16 U.S.C. 1533-A-1. That required the service to designate critical habitat for the frog. The service proposed designating as part of that critical habitat a site in St. Tammany Parish, Louisiana, which the service dubbed Unit 1. The frog had once lived in Unit 1, but the land had long been used as commercial timber plantation, and no frogs had been spotted there for decades. The service concluded that Unit 1 met the statutory definition of unoccupied critical habitat because it's rare, high-quality breeding ponds, and distance from existing frog populations made it essential for the species' conservation. 1532-5A2 The service then commissioned a report on the probable economic impact of its proposed critical habitat designation. 1533-B2 With regard to Unit 1, the report found that the designation might bar future development of the site, depriving the owners of up to $33.9 million. The service, nonetheless, concluded that the potential costs were not disproportionate to the conservation benefits and proceeded to designate Unit 1 as critical habitat for the dusky gopher frog. Unit 1 is owned by Petitioner Weyerhaeuser and a group of family landowners. The owners of Unit 1 sued contending that the closed canopy timber plantation on Unit 1 could not be critical habitat for the dusky gopher frog, which lives in open canopy forests. The district court upheld the designation. The landowners also challenged the service's decision not to exclude Unit 1 from the frog's critical habitat, arguing that the service had failed to adequately weigh the benefits of designating Unit 1 against the economic impact had used unreasonable methodology for estimating economic impact and had failed to consider several categories of costs. The district court approved the service's methodology and declined to consider the challenge to the service's decision not to exclude Unit 1. The Fifth Circuit affirmed, rejecting the suggestion that the critical habitat definition contains any habitability requirement and concluding that the service's decision not to exclude Unit 1 was committed to agency discretion by law and was therefore unreviewable. The Supreme Court held, In an area, an area is eligible for designation as critical habitat under 1533A3A1 only if it is habitat for the species. That provision, the sole source of the authority for critical habitat designation, states that when the secretary lists a species as endangered, he must also designate any habitat of such species which is then considered to be critical habitat. It does not authorize the secretary to designate the area 
as critical habitat unless it is also habitat for the species. The definition allows the secretary to identify a subset of habitat that is critical, but leaves the larger category of habitat undefined. The service does not now dispute that critical habitat must be habitat, but argues that habitat can include areas that, like Unit 1, would require some degree of modification to support a sustainable population of a given species. Weyerhaeuser urges that habitat cannot include areas where the species could not currently survive. The service, in turn, disputes the premise that the administrative record shows that the frog could not survive in Unit 1. The Court of Appeals, which had no occasion to interpret the term habitat in 1533A3A1, or to assess the service's administrative findings regarding Unit 1, should address these questions in the first instance. The Secretary's decision not to exclude an area from critical habitat under 1533b2 is subject to judicial review. The Administrative Procedures Act creates a basic presumption of judicial review of agency action. See Abbott Laboratories v. Gardner. The service contends that the presumption is rebutted here because the action is committed to agency discretion by law, 5 U.S.C. 701A2, because 1533b2 is one of those rare provisions drawn so that a court would have no meaningful standard against which to judge the agency's exercise of discretion. See Lincoln v. Vigil. Section 1533b2 describes an unfiled process for weighing the impact of designating an area as critical habitat. The provision's first sentence requires the secretary to take into consideration economic and other impacts before designation, and the second sentence authorizes the secretary to act on his consideration by providing that he may exclude any area from critical habitat if he determines that the benefits of such exclusion outweigh the benefits of designation. The word may certainly confers discretion on the secretary, but it does not segregate his discretionary decision not to exclude the mandated procedure to consider the economic and other impacts of designation when making his exclusion decisions. The statute is, therefore, not drawn so that a court would have no meaningful standard against which to judge the secretary's exercise of his discretion. Not to exclude. See Lincoln. Weyerhaeuser's claim that the agency did not appropriately consider all the relevant statutory factors meant to guide the agency in the exercise of its discretion is the sort of claim that federal courts routinely assess when determining whether to set aside an agency decision as an abuse of discretion. The Court of Appeals should consider, in the first instance, the question whether the service's assessment of the costs and benefits designation and resulting decision not to exclude Unit 1 was arbitrary, capricious, or an abuse of discretion. The decision is vacated and remanded. Chief Justice Roberts delivered the opinion of the court in which all other members joined, except for Justice Kavanaugh, who took no part in the consideration or decision of this case. Thank you for listening. 
If you'd like to contact the podcast, we can be contacted by email at Rhodes, R-O-A-D-S, Scholar, 8080 at gmail.com. Thank you.